0: as we continue our journey through the book of Acts. We're uh, close to being finished with this series uh, as we uh, look at the early church, the first century church, and uh, see what they did and uh, see what the Lord still has for us to do. And i like to remind us, folks, that uh, you know what? The world changes, society changes, mankind changes, but God is immutable. Amen? God never changes. And uh, the truth of the word of God stand forever. The Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And so what was good for the early church is still good for the 21st century church. Amen? Amen. If it was good for them, it's good for us. And so we're going to look at another attribute of the early church, and this ties in directly to what's going on around here this month and and, and every week, of course, at White River Baptist Church. But we're going to talk about this tonight, a determined commitment to evangelize the lost. A determined commitment to evangelize the lost. If you find your place, stand with me together, and uh, we'll begin in Acts chapter 1. And uh, I'm just going to read uh, one verse to you here, and then we'll get right into the message. Uh, of course, this is the last words of Christ uh, as He ascends back to heaven. And uh, think about it. If someone speaks their last words, amen, last words are important words. Last words are words that, you know what, uh, if you're speaking to someone, I mean, it's it's your last shot to say something you want them to hear. And I think it very interesting that the last subject matter, the last words of Jesus Christ before He went back to heaven were these. Acts chapter 1. Verse eight, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth let's pray, Lord, we love you tonight, uh, speak to us tonight through your word, thank you for it, God, thank you, Lord, for this assembly and what you're doing here. pray that you continue to do your work here, God may we be your vessels sanctified and meet for the master's use, so Lord we can uh, accomplish your will for this time and this purpose and this place. So bless us, we pray. Uh, Speak to us tonight through the Word of God. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. What you notice here is, uh, of course, uh, Christ, what's uh, known as the commission, the great commission, along with the other places in the scripture, uh, Jesus spoke these words, uh, spoke to them maybe a little different uh, or or different viewpoints, but the same message, the same uh, command was given, and that was this, was to go out and to preach the gospel and to be witnesses of the the things that they had seen Christ do for them, amen, and that started Started 2,000 years ago when Jesus commissioned his church. And let me say this, folks, until the day the trumpet sounds, that will be the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. Or should I say that ought to be the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so what we see in this determined commitment to evangelize the laws was that the first century Christians took to heart the Christ great commission. They took it to heart. Listen, they didn't believe it was for somebody else. They didn't believe Jesus was talking to, to, to uh, you know, the, 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 the people that, Uh, May have overheard. No, they understood. They believed. They really believed Jesus was talking to them, and they took it as their personal responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. And of course, we see that uh, as we continue our journey through the Book of Acts, and we see the gospel then begin to go forth and spread all throughout the areas Jesus said there in verse eight, Judea. I'm sorry, Jerusalem. That was their home area. There was Judea. That was the outer area. was kind of like uh, for us our state there was Samaria that was their country kind of like for us the United States and of course the uttermost part of the earth and by the way folks let me tell you the emphasis we want the direction this church wants to be going folks everything we do ought to be out uh, about getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world amen to that everything we do locally ought to be to get the gospel out everything we do when it comes to our missions program it's about getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out and so the first century church took to heart Christ's great commission. What else do we see about this as we travel through the book of Acts? Number two, first century Christians ignored men's attempt to forbid them from preaching. Amen. Acts chapter four, flip over there real quick. Amen. Acts chapter four. And I'm not going to read this whole passage here, uh, but if you look over here, and uh, we uh, see here, beginning in verse uh, 13, uh, you see how that, again, uh, they're forbidding uh, to preach in the name of, uh, of of Christ. It says there in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Come on, we can relate to that. Amen? All right. Uh, we uh, sometimes compared to them. They're comparing themselves to the Pharisee, to the Sadducees. Sadducees. What did they do? They marvel. Amen. Listen, why did they marvel? They marveled because these common men had something that they hadn't seen a lot to that point called boldness boldness, and they marveled, but here's the source of that boldness. I love verse 13. It wasn't because, you know, they mustered within uh, up within themselves the power of positive preaching, amen? That wasn't the source of their boldness. Why were they bold? Notice what it says, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus, amen? Yep. Again, I talked about this morning, why should you spend time with the Lord every day, alright? A lot of reasons why. One of them is because it'll give you boldness to go out and be the Christian. Christian God wants you to be, amen? It'll give you the boldness to go out and witness for Him. It'll give you the boldness to go out and hand out gospel tracts and invite your neighbors and your friends and your co-workers and and wherever you go, talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Now, the only way you're going to have that kind of boldness and this kind of uh, of messed up dark world is if you spend time with the Master, Amen? amen? Verse 14, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. And when they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them and manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. Listen, they knew something was going on. All right? They they, they couldn't deny what was happening here. All right? And so that uh, they decided they're going to try. Verse 18. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. All right? So that's the command. All right? Was man- man's attempt to try to forbid them from preaching, okay? But how do they handle it? Verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Listen, folks, when when God is doing something inside of you, and you are a vessel through which God can flow, you can't keep it in. It's got to come out, amen? I mean, folks, think about this. we got God living inside of us. How can we not let it come out and influence those people we're around? Amen? We can't help but speak it. And let it listen, we have to do it. We can't keep it in if we wanted to. I think of Brother Jeremiah back there where uh, he was having a little pity party and he talked about how he just told God, well, Lord, I'm just done. I'm not I'm not preaching. I, I, I'm i not going to speak your word anymore. But You know what happened to Brother Jeremiah? Uh, he, he said that, that it began to burn down inside. Amen. And he had to preach it. And folks, you know what? When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it comes to what he's done for us, let me tell you something. We can't help but preach the message. Amen. But man tried to forbid them from preaching. You say, well, man, that was back then. That's back when Nero was on the throne. That's back when they were facing persecution in Rome. Hey, guess what? That wasn't just back then. That's today. That's today. Okay? Here you go. Here's a, a few of the headlines uh, from recent happenings in the past year and a half. All right? And, by the way, from America. Okay? Not from China. Not from you know Pakistan, from America. You ready? Here we go. Christian young lady in a public in our public school being told she cannot read her Bible during lunch because it might make other people uncomfortable. Okay. By the way, you know what? Uh, their perverseness makes me uncomfortable. Okay. That wicked perverse pride flag makes me uncomfortable, okay? That wicked anti-American BLM junk makes me uncomfortable, amen? But how come your feelings are okay, but mine aren't, okay? How about this? Christian elementary student rebuked for passing out a gospel track on the bus because it's against the law. By the way, no, it's not. No, it's not. And I've said this before. I, I, I know uh, of the uh, Christian law uh, places, uh, one particular, the CLA, the Christian Law Association. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If, if you feel like that your constitutional rights are being violated, you can get a hold of the CLA and they can make a few phone calls and find out real quick, all right, that, by the way, it is still constitutional to preach and witness where you go. It's not illegal to hand out gospel tracts, amen? And if anybody tells you that, then they don't know what they're talking about. How about this? Attempts to limit and or ban door-to-door soul winning due to health risk. Hey, this is this is uh a headlines from America. Laws being proposed that would outlaw the preaching of some parts of the Bible, labeling those passages as hate speech. And if you don't think that things like that are trying to get crammed through and you don't know what's going on. They're trying to get that stuff through right now. By the way, almost most most countries that's already a law passed. Coming soon to America, I can tell you that. Christian lady rebuked and threatened for passing out gospel tracts while standing on a public sidewalk. Here's what her, torme- her tormentor said. You ready for this? You can't do that. This is America. <laughs> Must be one of those, uh, you know, new woke generation that has been taught revised history in school. My goodness, how ignorant can we be? How about this? Uh, the, Of course, the uh, COVID-19 executive mandates infringing on religious freedoms and our fir- First Amendment rights to peacefully assemble. And by the way, folks, they're going to run this thing as far as they can run it. And by the way, they're going to run it as far as we the people allow them to run it. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, there's already a stirring of people starting to stand up against some of this stuff. I, I read something very interesting this week, and I wish I would have wrote it down, but I didn't. But they they listed... The, a list of things that our colonists, our American forefathers colonists, why they rose up and started the Revolutionary War, about the things England wasn't opposing on them. Let me tell you, if you read that now, and you you would you would read the things that, you would think that the government was was so friendly to religious freedom and, and and constitutional freedoms that that list compared to this list it was so minute compared to what we're dealing with right now and you know what we're doing as america we're taking it we're allowing our freedoms to be stripped away from us amen let me tell you at some point in time uh, and I don't know where all this is going and how far it's going to go but you know what enough is going to be enough amen And it's time as America we stand up to this nonsense. National leaders who believe they now have the right to tell churches when, where, and how many can assemble to worship. They also believe they can dictate what we can do and cannot do while we are assembled. I hate to tell you, guess what? Ain't nobody telling us how to do anything except God and the Word of God in this assembly. Amen? I've already decided, uh, uh, church. I've already decided this. All right. I don't care what kind of law, what kind of mandate. By the way, mandates aren't laws. Alright? All right. all right whatever our our state our federal our local place says we're not closing the doors of this church ever ever again Amen. ever again ain't happening. Okay. I mean, they can have all the police out there they want. If I got to go to jail and, and silver bracelets, I'll do it. But we are not closing this church. Amen. By choice. I'm going to tell you, we're not doing it. You know why? Because, because it's not the state's job or the government's job to tell the church how what it can or can't do. Amen. Yeah. By the way, know your history. This whole stupid thing everybody wants to throw out. Separation of church and state. Well, first of all, that was never in the Constitution. Second of all, when that was written, Thomas Jefferson wrote that in a letter, and what he was writing about was not the fact that the church couldn't have influence on the government. It's that the government was to keep its stinking nose out of the church. Know your history, amen? Don't be just a bobblehead and drinking all the Kool-Aid that the media is trying to push out. How about this? Christian women out soul winning, accosted by local police who demand to see their driver's license and photograph their vehicles. Again, folks, what is this stuff going on? Truth be told, it's man's attempt to keep Christians from preaching the gospel. Amen? And let me tell you something. We as Christians cannot be intimidated by that. We can't compromise to that. We must always, always, always preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Because as I said this morning, we answer to a higher power. Amen. And when I stand and give an account one of these days, I'm not doing it to a president. I'm not doing it to a governor. I'm not doing it to a mayor, to a town council, to a health board council. I'm going to look my savior in the face and give an account to him. So his opinion ought to trump any other opinions anybody else has. Amen to that. Number three, first century Christians use persecution to fuel the flames of evangelism. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. Go over there. Let's flip over there real quick. Of course, it talks about Saul here being the chief persecutor. And man, I'll tell you, Saul, but he was zealous for, for his sake. We heard a message about Saul yesterday at the youth rally, and he really thought he was doing God's work. The Bible says he wreaked havoc in the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, this he wasn't just out slapping wrists. The Bible says, hailing men and women to prison. And so he was not a guy to uh, be trifled with. But even in the midst of the persecution led by Saul, who eventually became the apostle Paul, look what it says in verse 4 of chapter 8. Okay, persecution. Therefore, they, the church, went that were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. Amen. Preaching the word. Listen, folks, truth be told, study church history. The church was born in a time of intense persecution. The Roman Empire was against spreading of this new religion. Jews who uh, were, were, were the Orthodox, the old school Jews who rejected Jesus Christ, they were arresting those uh, who followed and, and, and threatened and persecuted those that preached the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Christian men and women were put into prison uh, and being martyred for their faith in Christ. By the way, you think that stopped them? You think that made them cower in fear? Are you kidding me? You know what it did? It ma- allowed them to preach the message louder. Amen? Amen. And God used persecution to scatter them to get the gospel fire started around the world. Amen? So here's the question for you. Here's the question for me. What would it take to silence us? What would it take to silence us? You know, truth be told, it wouldn't take persecution. Because most of us are silenced by way smaller things than that. You know what? I mean, and, And listen, I'm not some bastion example of what this ought to be. I struggle just like you do. Okay, before I get ready to knock on a door, there's a little bit of fear in my heart too. Okay, before I get ready to, Holy Spirit pricks my heart about talking to someone with the gospel, I get those little jitters going on too. Okay, but what takes to stop us, folks? I mean, come on. I mean, inconvenience, that's what truth be told stops most of us, just being inconvenienced. Okay, I mean, listen, we've got to be very diligent about getting the gospel. And I'm not just talking about on a time slot that the church gets together and goes out as a collective group. I'm talking about individually, every day, everywhere we go, the places we work, being diligent about getting out the gospel. Amen? When I just said that, I was convicted. You know why? Because I don't do it as much as I should either. Amen? And I think all of us could step it up in this area and be diligent about as far as getting the gospel out. Amen? I mean, come on, folks. How hard is it to put have have gospel tracts with us and give out gospel tracts? Again, I'm saying this under under conviction too. Amen? I think we all need to do better at this. Amen? But they allowed persecution not to stop them, but to fuel their flames to continue to witness for Jesus Christ. Are we going to be coming, uh, or will we ever uh, face that in America? I don't know. All I know is this, if the God-hating liberal crowd has their way, and they continue to have their power, and the Lord Jesus Christ don't come back, well, you better better be ready to face some stuff in America. I'm not a doom and gloomer. I'm not, amen. I'm a glass-half-full, not-half-empty type guy. I don't know if we'll ever get to that. But if it would, if it would, would we be stopped as a church? Are we only fair weather Christians? Are we in it like the first century church was? Amen. Yes. Number 4. First century Christians made soul winning a daily duty. It says in Acts chapter 5 verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to pre- teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, folks, again, uh, yes, we do as a church get together on regular scheduled times and go out and uh, get the gospel to our community. Praise the Lord for that. But we got to get out of the mindset that we can only witness during a certain amount of time, a certain, or a certain day of the week when we're out knocking doors as a church group. No, folks, listen, there's opportunities everywhere. Everywhere we go. Amen. I mean, uh, uh, we've had uh, we have people attend here and the reason they attend here is because Christians out in the workforce, the business place, witness to them, talk to them. We got people that attend this church because of the uh, at the bank that we bank at. Uh, 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 here here uh, in town. We got people that attend here because of the car wash that I go to. We got people that attend here, some here even tonight, that uh, uh, they were reached in their workplace by people in this congregation. Folks, truth be told, most people are reached through personal relationships. That's just how most of it's done. Amen? The reason a lot of you are here, it's not because me as the pastor knocked on your door and got you to come. It's because somebody else invited you, someone else invested in you, and that's why you're here. You are brought by somebody to this place. Now, folks, listen to me. If that got us here, then you know what? How many more could God use for us to fill up the the empty pews to get other people here, the empty chairs to get other people here? Amen? Amen. And I'm not just saying it because of numbers, okay? I understand, folks. Truth be told, church growth is an interesting thing. You know, sometimes the way for the church to grow, it must be purged. Realize that the Bible even talks about that. Y'all, you know, those of you that uh, have had know much about fruit trees and other trees that produce fruit, in order for those trees to uh, produce right, sometimes you got to prune off the excess of branches. And sometimes, you know what God does in order for the church to grow, prunes the church. And sometimes, truth be told, God's got to allow certain people to leave so the church can grow to a spiritual point. Now, listen to me. If someone leaves this church, let me just say this. The first person whose heart's breaking, it's this guy right here. I'm going to tell you, if someone walks out that door because, you know, whatever reason, I'm going to tell you, folks, it hurts. I'm not going to lie. It hurts. Okay, Uh, Brother Houston, when he used to come here and preach before the Lord took him to heaven, he said something that that made so much sense to me that helped me as a pastor. He said this, he says, and he was talking to the church. He said, pastors love quickly and love deeply. And let me tell you something, I can attest to that, amen? I mean, you walk in as a visitor first time, I mean, immediately God begins knitting my heart to you as, as an individual that walks through that door, amen? And then you know what? Uh, as a pastor, God gives you a pastor's heart to love people, and uh, sometimes people won't stay, Some pe- sometimes people leave, and here's what he said, because a pastor loves quickly and loves deeply, a pastor can be hurt quickly and hurt deeply. And it hurts, folks. I'm not lying. I'm not going to lie to you. It hurts when people you've invested in choose to walk away and not be a part of it anymore. But you know what that's called? Part of the process. It's part of what God has to do to His church. So it's not just about numerical growth. Amen? But let me say this. The more people we get in, the more people that can hear the gospel, the more lives that can be changed, the more young people's lives that can be changed, the more marriages that can be helped... And so, folks, yes, it is. Part of it is about getting people here. Amen. And so, listen, we've got to be involved in winning people to Jesus Christ. Listen to me personally. All right. Yes, come be a part of the, of the program. All right. That we want to go out and knock on doors. But hey, let's, let's work on those personal relationships. Okay. All of you that work in the workforce, you work with people who are lost. I mean, come on. It's true, right? I mean, I don't think any of the workplaces around here are bastions of Christianity. Okay, in fact, just the opposite. Why do you think God put you there? Okay, well, to feed my family. Sure, He did that to feed your family, but He also put you there so you can be light in a dark place. And begin building relationships with those people. And then, not just, you know, building relationships to smooth up to them, but so you can get them the gospel, amen? You can get them to the house of God. Listen, folks, that's what it's about. It's about reaching people. And I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you what I believe, amen? I believe in our lives as Christians, there's only some people that we can reach. I believe that. And if we don't reach them, listen, folks, they're not going to get reached. And so the first century Christians made soul winning a daily duty but you know what's interesting about the great commission folks it did not end with winning people to jesus christ it didn't end with that in fact truth be told that's the beginning right the bible likens to being saved to being born again parents you know this when you have your baby all right and you have a child and you bring them home from the hospital guess what the work truly begins Okay, sure, it was hard delivering, okay? I mean, I remember those labor pains, all right? No, just my my wife, I remember those pains she had, all right? And, uh, man, you know, it's hard, but truth be told, that's something that happens for a moment, and once it's over, for the most part it's over, then the real work begins. And truth be told, you know what, that's the way it is when people are one to Christ. So let me tell you what else that first century church knew how to do. It knew how to disciple new converts, And let me tell you, that's what's so important. Again, that's part of the Great Commission. Jesus said when He gave that commission in Matthew chapter 28, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So the Great Commission is threefold. Number one, it's to preach the gospel. Number two, once folks are saved, it's to baptize them. And then number three, it's begin teaching them the truths of the Word of God. Amen? Listen, folks, again, babies, what's the natural thing a child ought to do? I'll tell you what it is. It's grow. Amen. I mean, that's natural. Those family pictures. We just we've taken the last few years. In fact, it's interesting. We did them the very first year uh, when we started the church in the spring. So the very first spring, I think it was would have been April of 2017. We took the first group of family pictures. I have my family picture back there that we took in 2017, all right? And if I would bring that up to you here now and show you the one that, you know, will be taken tonight, you know what you're going to notice? You're going to notice a beard that got longer, amen? No, uh, you, know, you will notice that. But you know what else you're going to notice? You're going to notice the growth of my children. If you look real close, you know what you're going to notice? Less hair, more gray, all right? Because I'm pastoring you, that's why, all right? But no, what's the natural Thing in life for children to do is to grow. What's the natural thing then, as Christians, people who newly get saved, it is to grow. And let me tell you what we got to do at White River Baptist Church, and I believe we are doing this, but we got to make sure we're we're committed to it, is discipling people and teaching them in the ways of the Lord. Now I don't know about y'all, okay, but as a Christian, I've grown in the last year in my Christian walk. I've grown. I mean, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's areas of my life that I can look back and know that I've grown in. How about you? Are you growing? And you know what? Truth be told, we should never stop growing as Christians. Ever. All right? But particularly when we get new folks in, we must do our part uh, to try and disciple them. Of course, again, I mentioned that it begins with baptism. And baptism is very important. Uh, Baptism, I taught on this a few weeks ago. I mentioned it, but it's good for us to kind of just understand and make sure we're set on that. But baptism always follows salvation. Amen? That's why we don't sprinkle babies here. Because babies, number one, can't be saved because they haven't come to that knowledge yet where they can call on Christ for themselves. Amen. And let me tell you something, folks. Every person has to come to Christ on their own. Every person does. My salvation is not good enough for my kids' salvation. You know why my children are saved? Not because me and mom are saved, but there was a time in their life where they personally had to come to Jesus Christ and call on Him for salvation. Amen? Okay, so that's why we don't baptize babies. But once a uh, person is saved, they ought to follow in believer's baptism. Believer's baptism is an association with Jesus Christ. It's in a public association. It's letting the world know. It's letting the church know, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian now. I'm not ashamed of it. I believe and associate with Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. It's a picture. And it's the first step of obedience in the Christian life. Baptism should always be by immersion. Amen? Always by immersion. It's biblical. Okay? And by the way, if you haven't figured it out yet, what do we do around this church? Things that are biblical. All right? So it's by immersion. That's why we have... Um the portable baptistry tank that we bring out here. And we set it up. And there's enough water in there to fully immerse someone to make sure that they're baptized scripturally. And so that we must make sure we do that. And a few weeks ago, we had a baptismal service. And when, and, and when uh, throughout the last five years, we've probably baptized 50 or 60 folks uh, through our baptisms. And why do we do that? Because uh, the Bible tells for us to. Amen? What else do we know? We know that... Um, Baptism, of course, uh, is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's the biblical pattern to baptize in all three. When I stand up here and baptize, I say the same thing, all right? I remember when I was in Bible college and I was in church education class, we had to memorize what to say when we baptized, eh, all right? And we were, we were taught how to do it. We were taught what to say and how to say it, and uh, and the things that I I always say. Uh, I always lift my hand, and I always uh, always say that, you know, I, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of His death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection. You know what that's called? Biblical. Amen? That's why I do it. All right? And listen, folks, think about this. Why are we baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? I'll tell you why. Because all three persons of the Godhead are necessary for our salvation. The Bible teaches that, okay? A drawing of the Father, okay? Bible says you can't even be saved unless the Father draws you, all right? So a drawing of the Father. Of course, salvation is through Jesus Christ and Him alone, okay? But listen, what brings you to that saving knowledge is the conviction of the Holy Ghost of God. Bible's Bible very clear on that, amen? All three elements of the Godhead are part of salvation. That's why you hear me pray very often. That, um, uh, when we, uh, uh, when I pray before the service, as far as inviting the Holy Spirit into our, our service, fostering an environment that the Holy Spirit has freedom to work in our lives. Cause let me tell you something, folks. A spiritual work's not gonna happen unless it's done a spiritual way. And what is God's spiritual way to do a spiritual work? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen listen, you know what works on our heart? Hopefully what's speaking to your heart right now as I'm preaching? The Spirit of God. Amen? It's the plan of God through the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit uh, convicts our heart. And then when we come to that knowledge, the Father draws us, the Holy Spirit convicts us, and then we call on Jesus Christ to save us. Amen? And that's why we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so you see that pattern there uh, in the book of Acts. And then what else you see is that baptism uh, was always a Immediate. And in a very timely manner, after a person, is, a person is saved, they should be baptized. And then, once they're baptized, the Bible says they should be, as Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And you know what? There's certain fundamental truths of the Scripture that need to be taught immediately to new converts. Amen? And I think the best way, most of the teaching, is going to come through the preaching and teaching from the pulpit. Amen? And most of it's going to come through that. But you know what? Sometimes... Uh, We can a new convert gets saved and a seasoned Christian can come alongside and help them to understand, help them to grow and help them to understand the things they need to learn. Amen? And so a new convert ought to come and be part of the local assembly. And folks, let me just say this. When we get new folks in here and I think you're great at this, I think you're good at this, but let's always make sure we are, we ought to welcome them into the assembly. Amen? People ought to be welcomed at White River Baptist Church. All right? And truth be told, folks, you know what? They may not always be at the, at the place we think they ought to be at, okay? But remember something, folks. God was patient with you. He was patient with me. So you know what we ought to be when we're helping people? Be patient with people and love people, okay? Let the Word of God do its job, okay? Listen, folks. God, and, and you notice this through the Scripture, okay? When Jesus called His disciples, they weren't immediately disciple material overnight. It was a three-and-a-half-year process to get them to the point where they could be filled with the Holy Spirit and turn the world upside down. That was a little bit of time that Jesus took. And you know what you find out about Jesus doing through the Scripture? Now, He, was never, he never did not speak truth to His disciples. He always spoke truth. Always. Amen? And He never watered it down. But He was patient with them. And he loved them. And he understood it was going to be a process to get them where they needed to be. Now listen, that's true with new folks that come into to this assembly. Amen? So be patient with people. Love people. Okay? And let the Word of God do its work in their lives. Okay? Let the pastor and the Word of God set the tone for when people are ready to uh, digest deep spiritual truth. OK, uh, you know, again, folks, you just got to use wisdom as you're dealing with people. OK, and, and you got to understand that uh, if you're not careful, uh, you can turn people away from the truth instead of toward the truth based upon not necessarily our message, but the way we present the message. So it's very important that we are, uh, use wisdom when it comes to helping disciple. Amen. New converts should be given uh, opportunities in sharing their faith. One of the greatest things and one of the most exciting things that you find out in people who newly get saved is, you know what? They want to tell somebody else about it. Amen? And by the way, let me say this. That shouldn't just be true of a new convert. We ought to never lose that desire. We ought to never lose that zeal. Amen? Remember the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2? Jesus had somewhat against them because they had left their first love. By the way, you remember what it was like first being in love with Christ. Remember what it was like when you first got saved and that joy that was in your heart, and you couldn't but help talk about it and tell somebody else. Amen. Now, listen. You know what that 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 uh, uh, what what a new convert experiences uh, ought to be uh, help them understand. You know what that ought to go and continue out and tell other people. Amen. So it's important that we have opportunities uh, for new converts to share their faith. Not only that, new converts ought to be uh, helped in ground, or as far as in grounding themselves as a new Christian. And again, they, these are the different types of ways to learn from the Word of God, from the teaching, from the preaching, uh, through the, the, the other services of the church. Because again, folks, listen to me. The Bible even talks about this in the parable of the sower. There's a certain amount of time when a person getting saved, that if they don't get grounded, you know what's going to happen? The ravens of hell are going to come and snatch that seed out of their heart. Now, their, their salvation, they're not going to lose a salvation, but you know what? They'll not be the Christian God wants them to be. They'll be choked out by the things of this world. And so, listen, that, that, that desire, we got to capitalize on that and, uh, and, uh, and teach them and train them while that heart is tender. And then, of course, new converts uh, will have uh, opportunities for service in the local assembly. And, again, all this, folks, comes with uh, the patience of those uh, of Christians that, that, the, that are seasons that have been saved. But understand something, folks. Part of that, that great commission is doing that thing right there. Amen? It's preaching the gospel. It's it's baptizing. And then it's discipling of the new folks that come in. Now, I, want you, I wanted to give this to you tonight because I want you to understand uh, you know, the, what it is we're doing as an assembly. And the point and the purpose of it. And, and the patience that we've got to have when new folks come in. But, folks, truth be told, you know what? We need to be about that. Amen? This church, we've got to be about reaching people and then training people and, teach, and, and then and training them to reach others and that's how the gospel's supposed to go around the world amen right. by the way think about this Jesus wouldn't have gave a command had it not been possible to obey it right so the reason the world's not evangelized is not because there's too many people it's because the church has dropped the ball that's got a little bit of a hard pill to swallow but it's true okay and you know what that didn't happen necessarily with our generation but I can just say this, our generation, you know, we, we've got some making up to do, okay? And, and I understand, okay? You know, the, the, there, there are different needs, different results in different places. I get that, okay? You read Brother Nono's letter back there, and uh, you read that. And uh, I just read it this morning, and it talked about how that they're averaging 300 people a week saved. Praise God for that. Aren't you glad we're invested in Brother Nono, by the way? <laughs> Aren't you glad when you give missions giving, we're getting some fruit to add a bounce to our account? But listen, folks, okay, Princeton's not the Philippines, okay? I mean, the closest we get to that is we both start with a P. That's about it, all right? We're not going to see 300 people saved a week, all right? It's just not the population density. It's not, you know, and I don't mean to use this as an excuse, but it's just not the culture here in America. But it doesn't mean that we can't see some people saved. It doesn't mean that we can't get the gospel out doesn't mean that, you know what, as Christians, we can't be handing out gospel tracts and doing our part. Because I'm going to tell you something that's true, whether it's the Philippines, whether it's Princeton, whether it's anywhere around the world, there's lost people. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you what God's doing, all right? He's using all the craziness of the world, I believe, as a final drawing of people to himself. And if people can't look around the world and see what God's doing and be woke up a little bit, then truth be told, there's probably not going to much wake him up. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to find those people. Okay? And here, here's what I've told you. Most of the time, they don't come walking through the door. Most of the time. But they're around us. we just got to get out there and we've got to find them. Amen? They're the people that live beside us. The people we work with. The people we pass when we go to the stores and at the gas stations. Amen? So listen to me. Take those opportunities. All right? And let's not be uh, derelict in our duty as the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century, to do what the first century church did and get the gospel out, amen, and to see folks saved, see folks baptized, and see folks trained. And that's the purpose of the church. Amen. Let's pray.